Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. to Ephesians 4 we're finishing up our mission series here this morning this will be it today last time here to review what we purport that the mission of the first apostolic church is and as I have said over the weeks of doing this we got to go back every once in a while familiarize ourselves with what we say we are amen and uh, everything that we say through the mission statement, we have biblical basis. And so it is always good for a church to have a mission statement that ties to the Bible. Uh, absolutely. And so, again, to rehearse one more time, we uh, embrace and support this morning that the mission of the First Apostolic Church is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. So this morning, we're going to consider the equipping, if you will, part of our mission statement because in reality, it would be horrible, be horrible uh, to establish a church and just win a bunch of people to be consumers. Nobody stocked the shelves at Walmart. Huh? Then we wouldn't have the opportunity to go in there and get what we needed. So we got to be careful. This isn't just 1121 Cedar thing that we got to be careful about. This is a church problem world over. We got to be careful about that we don't just come in simply as consumers. Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 11 and he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ we'll look at this in a little bit verse 12 uh, over the years maybe has been somewhat misconstrued thinking that Apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. That was the responsibility of all three things mentioned in verse 12. That isn't necessarily the case. They're not exempt from doing those things, but there is a progression in reality in verse number 12. And a, a, uh, a switching, if you will, of whose responsibility. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ to the measure of the until we come to the unity we're going to grow up into the Lord we're going to grow up into a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ amen this is our mission this is part number five amen today this will end us out two weeks from now is Easter amen one week today is Palm Sunday. Uh, 
that's the triumphal entry of the Lord into uh, riding on that that donkey if you will amen that uh, Zechariah spoke of and prophesied of and so we have two great weeks coming up of Palm Sunday and Easter amen but today we've led up to this time to position ourselves then for per se Easter Resurrection Sunday when you'll probably have people that are not normally here so I wanted to revisit what we say we are amen hallelujah father I come to you today I'm so grateful I'm so grateful, Lord, this morning that you, God, have met us here. God, I pray, oh, Lord, for your anointing, your anointing, God, this Bible class this morning. I pray, oh, God, today that you're able to touch us, oh, Lord, anew and afresh, God, by your spirit. God, reposition us, our minds, Lord, our souls, our hearts. God, not to become disconnected, God, from what, Lord, we purport, from what, Lord Jesus, we convey, God, we are, Lord, and what our purpose is. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, minister, Lord, even in this place this morning, God, and we'll give you, Lord Jesus, glory that is due unto your name, Lord Jesus, and bless that name, Lord Jesus, at all times. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen and amen, the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Many times we, we view the role and the responsibility of the church as, as a mother, almost uh, that, that side of a parent that we are helped to birth, if you will, uh, new converts or new people into uh, the faith. But taking that analogy into consideration then, if the church is a mother, if our only role as a parent was, or as a mother in particular, was the conception and the birth of the baby, if that was our only role, then there would be a lot of fatalities after the baby was born, if that was our only responsibility. For that matter, uh, there would probably be a lot of, well, let me say it like this, there'd probably be more immature adults, <laughs> more immature adults than we currently have in society. And so with that being said, it's important this morning, us viewing the church as a mother, uh, it's a common misconception that the church only exists to win souls. And you can be heavy-handed in any facet of what the responsibility of the church is. But her only responsibility just isn't for winning souls. That is absolutely part of her existence. That's part of her responsibility. But it isn't all that she exists for. It isn't all uh, of her responsibilities. Whenever a new babe, as we would call it, analogy-wise, is born in Christ, there are development stages for them. There are disciplines that need to be learned in order to become a functioning adult Christian. And so we are not only in the business of seeing souls one to the kingdom of God, but also disciplined as becoming mature adult Christians uh, in the kingdom of God. Sue Mallory said, she said, the point of, the ch of church growth is not to collect new people and cage them with church programs. She said, the goal of the church health is not to fatten up church members for show, meaning, look, we have 500 people. That's not what it's about. The church exists to equip people in order to release them back into the world, grounded in the truth, amen, and community, dangerous, if you will, for the gospel. 
Really, our mission here is no different than the missionaries that are in foreign lands that we have and support. They establish churches. They establish schools. They teach and they minister to people of those native tongues and native lands that they are natives of. And then they send them back into uh, their society, back into the world to minister the gospel. They have found that this is the most effective way. Used to, used to years ago, that missionary would try to learn all the different dialects of, of the place that he went. And he would try to go place to place. Now they learned if you use the people of the area that already know those languages and those tongues, and you can teach them and equip them, send them back with their native tongue and those dialects that they're already aware of and teach the gospel. So it's not just a consumer type of mentality. They don't just come seeing what they can get, but they see what they can receive for the purpose of distributing it. For the purpose of distributing it. And so the church has to come to a mind, amen, that we cannot get in the mentality. That we just come to the church and see what we can get. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Lord, endue me with spirit and endue me with power. And, and I want to see what the church can do for me. Listen, once you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and filled with his spirit, you are now an ambassador. You are now an arm. You are now, if you will, see, there's somewhere along the journey. I had this moment in my own life, and I'm still trying to get over it because I don't think I'm that old. But I've reached that point in my life that I'm now not the one necessarily sitting down at other people's feet for mentoring. I, I still want to do that because that's, I love that position of being able to be mentored. But now I understand in my role of life and different things that come to me for speaking engagements and other matters, now I'm in this place, I don't know how I got here, of mentoring people. And so now where I sat, I was a, a Mary that sat at Jesus' feet, so to speak, to receive. Now we got to be ambassadors to go and invest in somebody else that doesn't know or has not heard. And so I can't just remain there all the time and consume. I now have to be a distributor. Amen. A distributor of this gospel because the fact of the matter is somebody else needs to experience what you've experienced. Somebody else needs to feel what you have felt. We don't want to become a, a dead sea. The dead sea is the dead sea and has such its high level of sodium because it receives tributaries into it. All this water comes into it, but it has no outlet. It all feeds into it, but there's not an outlet. Meaning that it just accepts all of this, but there's no outflow. And if we don't watch it in the spiritual world, in the world of the church, a church can become a dead sea. That all she does and all her members do is receive. But they're not willing to let what came in them flow through them. A river doesn't have the scum on the water because she's a moving entity. But whenever you have just stuff flowing into you and it's just sitting there, what good is it if it just sits there? Amen? What, what, what good are even talents and abilities and, and giftings that God would give if they are just going to sit there? Just to have on a resume? As a profile? Amen? It's not, it should not be the desire of the church, again, just to win souls only. That should be her desire, but that should not be her only desire. Amen? Because we need to disciple people. We need to uh, educate people. We need to reach out if you will, once we have received it and be a distributor of it. Uh, you don't want just people to be one and then become spectators on a pew. Well, I knew it might be just a little bit difficult, so I was prepared. I brought a hanky. 
Amen. Christianity doesn't need to become a spectator sport. The great thing about sports is this. You sit in the bleachers as a fan. Huh? You sit in the bleachers. You're at the basketball game. You're there. And it is so easy. That's the wrong call. They need to get down the court. They should have passed the ball. So easy to kind of start playing recliner football coach. Huh? One person described it best, talking about those who adopt the definition of football. It's really like this. Concerned one person, the way that they relate it. Said it's 22 men down on the field, desperately in need of rest. And 20,000 in the grandstands, desperately in need of exercise. I have learned sometimes churches assume the same mode. That there is a select few that's doing the work. That's doing their giftings and their talents and their abilities. And then there's the other 80%, if you will, that's just there for the show. I'm making a cry today. We need all hands on deck. All hands on deck. Why? Because there's too much to be done and there's not enough time left in the ending of the world for it to be accomplished. All hands must be on deck. Nobody. Pastor Steve Wilson used to do it like this. He said, we used to go out. I remember him talking to us evangelists like this. He said, we used to go out and I don't remember what it was. They'd pick pears or something off the trees, some of them on the ground. And he would take his kids out there to do with it. And they kind of, you know, do their shirts like that and start tuck, you know, putting the pears and stuff on that. And he said, we'd be out there and we're picking stuff up. And there's some of them over there, you know, they're kind of, you know, whatever, playing around and messing with each other and all this stuff. And he said, I look at him and say, guys. He said, just get your hands on something. You know what he was saying? It's not time to fool around. This is not time to play. This is not time to pick your nose, so to speak. He said, get your hands on something. Get busy. Get doing something. Don't you see the work that we got here? Don't you see the pears on the trees and on the grass? Just get your hand on something. Hallelujah. Get your hands on something. Throughout the scriptures, the church is represented in many places as the body of Christ. Body, though it seems to be all together as she is, or he is, has many members, the Bible tells us. But here is the important thing concerning the body, whether the literal body or the body of Christ. It's made of many members. Watch me now. And every member she is made of is a functioning member. She's a functioning member. So make no mistake about it this morning. Every person that's a part of a church in some regard should be a functioning member. There is some trait that you have. There is some gift or talent that you have where you can be a contributor to the body. As a matter of fact, the optimum scenario for any organization, church, whatever you may call it, is this. Is that each individual would contribute more than they would require. Amen. And I'm not talking about money. Although that goes hand in glove too. But that you would contribute more than you require. Why? Because if we would do a profit loss on you. 
If we get to the end of the year and the, 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 the profit loss statement is red, you know what that meant? There was more expended than was more than, than received, right? More expended than what was received. If we do a profit loss statement on each of our lives at the end of a year around here, you need to ask yourself, did I contribute more than I required? here today for whatever reason I'll blame it on brother Lang maybe he got on me last night amen but a little bit of a rascal this morning because oh Lord, you all you all know I love you right you know I love you hallelujah but see if we don't watch ourselves then 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 we're, we're capable of making the phone call whenever we need prayer for because we're sick or we need you to go visit somebody in the hospital or we need some type of financial thing offset it but then we we have a difficult time even knowing if you are a member of this church because you're gone every third month or you show up every third month Somebody help me right now. Mm -hmm. Lord, help me, Jesus. I just had a phone call this morning, early in the morning. Oh, Lord, help me. I seen, I seen who it was, and I was trying to get ready for church, and I didn't know if I had time really to entertain what was going on. So I set it aside, and so I listened to the voicemail after it's done. If you leave me a voicemail, I will listen to it, and I will get back to you if it, if it, it is necessary. Amen. But this was just somebody that just let me know they hadn't forgot me, and they still love me. Amen. And they just let me know that, that they hadn't forgot me, and they still love me. I couldn't tell you the last time I did see them, amen, out in the public or even in the house of God for that matter. What are you saying, Brother McGee? It's some of those same modes that people will call me when they're in need and call me when they need this and that's fine that's great but the church is more than just a department store amen the church is a body the church is an organism the church I know we're making everything convenient now Walmart over in Princeton you can order your groceries online and pick them up at a certain time and they'll have it all together I'm sorry we're not starting that around here we're not making package pickup that you can get in five minutes at the door honey you're going to have to show up equip it the kingdom the footprint of the kingdom can grow exponentially in the equipping stage in the equipping stage I think I heard someone just recently it might have been that brother Lee uh, he was a man a missionary to Singapore he was a minister of brother carpenters I think he made a state stated this that if each person and I'm if each person won one person and that that progression continued that within 35 years you could have reached the entirety of the world I believe that was correct and so what I'm saying it's at the equipping stage of sending back out that you can grow exponentially because if you have 10 new souls that are added to a church let's say a 50 and those souls are taught and equipped to be sent out to plant and to harvest being loving and compassionate and influencing, that church has just grown. Just grown. But if you take those souls that are one, they're not developed. That church just grew in quantity by 10, but it may have not even grown in quality at all. 
quite frankly, it may even have decreased, but because now you have 10 more takers rather than givers. So here's the crux of the matter. Equipping requires a lot of time. Equipping requires a lot of energy. Amen. Equipping means that you have to somehow get outside of normal service times in order to do it. To develop people, develop souls. And something that's very good in helping equip, of course, is the Holy Ghost. And of course, is the Word of God. Those are excellent tools. Amen. But most of the time, there's got to be some type of outside guidance utilizing the tool. Amen. There's got to be somebody that comes alongside them with the word or with the spirit that they have received that gives them, if you will, indications on how to respond, what they are feeling, feeling in their spirit or how to respond to the word of the Lord. If you look at verse number 11 of Ephesians 4, the Bible says he gave that he refers to Christ. Christ gave these differing roles of the ministry of evangelist and pastor and teacher and apostle and prophet. He gave these. So there is one thing all of these have in common, and that is all five of these that he gave, they all have some type of interaction with the word. The apostle, the, the prophet, the teacher, amen, they all have some type of interaction with the word. Amen, each of them, their roles, they may handle the word of the Lord in different respects of their life. But the other thing is this, though. He says he gave all of these ministries in verse number 11, verse 12, the first phrase, for the perfecting of the saints, which makes sense. How else would these individuals be able to do for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints if it were not for the word of God? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for here we go. This is the good use of the word. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, which is training in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, which the word there is translated equipped, amen, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now look at verse number 13. Till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to the perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so it tells us all of these goals that are there. For some, it may seem like an overarching goal, amen, for the perfecting of the saints and to grow into the stature of Jesus Christ. Because here's what they want. They want you to get the unity of the faith, amen, the unity of faith, the unity of belief. They want you to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, that happens by discipleship and by the word, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that they would have a perfect man, which the word perfect actually means a, perf a mature man, amen, a mature man that has reached or at least emulated the standard that Christ has set for us. Amen. You don't get, you don't get in the real world a child from who they are to adulthood without some adult, mom and dad, saying this is how you do dishes, this is how you sweep the floor, this is how you, whatever, mow the grass, oh, this is how you make your bed. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you say, well, that, that just should be a given. I guarantee you there are some people that are in their teenage years right now or young adults that don't know how to boil a pot of water. And the reason why is because their mom or dad never showed them how. We can't.
be pointing bony fingers around here about anybody that's been a new convert and that's when any further with God, if we've not opened our mouth and come alongside them and say, this is how we do this. This is how we do that. This is how we live for the Lord. This is how we flee temptation. This is how we live. Amen. It's no different. It's no different. Sometimes, and this is, this is really bad. Sometimes because we, we have the knowledge, we believe that everybody has the knowledge. You ever been in that place? Because you knew something that was kind of uh, 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 something that you just, you, you, you know, it was kind of, it's really a bad place because you think you know it and you think it's just common knowledge. think the knowledge you have is just common knowledge. Amen. But that's not the case. We got, we, got, we got to teach. We got to equip. Amen. We get them there and through there by the word of God. And then look at the next couple of verses, verse number 14, if you will. That, Ephesians 4, 14, that we henceforth be no more children. Boom. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, which is what I'm attempting to do this morning. May grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. You know what he's saying? He's saying if we can develop them, we can disciple them. Amen. And they'll know right from wrong. We can disciple them. They won't be taken by false doctrine. We can disciple them. The craftiness and the deception of the world will not overtake them. They'll have a, an awareness about that. Why? Because they've been equipped. Someone come alongside them. They've been equipped by the word of God. They've been equipped by these men that handle the word of God. But in the process of speaking to them, they will have spoken unto them the truth in love. Amen. The truth, of course, is the word of God. The word of God is true. It's infallible. It is our vice, if you will, for development. The word of God. John said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. But when men of God, and I'm not just talking about men of God, preachers. I'm talking about church family. When we handle the word of God rightly, it will provide an environment for the growth. I'm not talking about numerically. I'm talking about maturity. It will provide an environment for growth for all people to things that pertain to Christ Jesus. We already seen it in our study of Peter. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2, he said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. Growth of a soul does not happen without a word. Huh? <laughs> Becoming like Christ does not happen without the word. And here it is, verse, back to verse number 12, Ephesians 4. The way some have interpreted for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You've interpreted this all based upon its punctuation here, meaning that apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, all of these, their responsibility, the apostle, the preacher, the pastor, all their, their responsibility is the perfecting of the saints. And their responsibility is the work of the ministry. And their responsibility is the edifying of the body of Christ. And so if I can make all of these people that handle the word, like the apostle evangelist, if I make all three of those their responsibility, I can be a consumer saint. Because the common phraseology, probably even more so among the young, is this. That's not my responsibility. You know, it's the thing that makes me want to hit my kids upside the side of the head. If there's a piece of trash, I say, hey, would you pick that up? Well, it's not my trash. I don't care, but this is your home. 
for that matter, just a little good morality of being a person, a decent person, pick it up. Because you don't have to be driven be, by responsibility. You can be driven by need. Be driven by need. And so we're not talking about three items here that relate only to evangelist, pastor, teacher, apostle. It doesn't omit them, but it doesn't relate only to them. There is a series of progression here. One builds upon the other. These five Rose, mentioned in verse number 11, are for the perfecting, or if you will, the maturing, the equipping of the saints by utilizing the word of God for ministry. Equip the saints. But once the saints are equipped, someone say amen. Once the saints are equipped, then they are for the work of the ministry. Brother McGee, I don't preach. Yeah, you do. Your life preaches every day. I'm not ministry. Ministry basically means this. I hope I've hammered this enough around here. Everybody will know this. Ministry means to serve. Throughout the Bible, mostly ministry simply means that, to serve. In the original languages, to serve. And so now you have these five that are handling the word of the Lord and we have we have them come in. I, I can't do it on my own. That's the reason why we have evangelists come in. Sometimes there'll be a prophet around here, you know, apostle, different ones, you know, come through for the perfecting or if you will, the equipping of the saints. But when the saints get equipped, then the saints are to do the work of the ministry. We are to serve. All right. Amen. Not only that, for the edifying. Right. For the edifying of the body of Christ or the building up of the body of Christ all over. Now, that's not to say a pastor can't equip. He better be equipping. All right. But he better not be the only one equipping. He needs to equip. He needs to do the ministry. He needs to do the service. He needs to do the work. But he don't need to be the only one doing the work. He needs to build up and, 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 and edify the church. That is important. But he shouldn't be the only one that's edifying the church. Amen. Primarily, his responsibility, though, should be the equipping or the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting, if you will, of souls. Amen. Because these rows being for the perfecting of the saints. Saints, here it is, saints are those that have been taken out of the line of Adam and placed in the line of Christ. They've been moved from the family tree of the first Adam to the second Adam. Or the first Adam to the last Adam. Amen. And the second four in verse 12 is referring to the saints. They're for the work, the work of ministry. Amen. And those ministries then, this is the progression, those ministries, that service, whatever they're doing, where are they in? They're in the youth department. That's their ministry. They're in, the, they're in the outreach. No, that's theirs. They're in music. That's theirs. That ministry then needs to be for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Someone say amen. So here, here's the progression. Around here, per se, me as a pastor handling the word of God, trying to equip saints. Then you as saints do your work of the ministry, and you have one to serve. And then that service, that ministry helps build up and edify the body of Christ. In other words, the body of Christ is edified or built up when all of its members, when all of its souls 
are functioning and working per their particular placement in the body. Mm -hmm. I can do this because all my members are working in their particular placement in the body. If I couldn't do this, you know what the doctor's going to say? Let's find out what is inhibiting that. Huh? Sister Jessup says, maybe I need to see the doctor. I don't know. <laughs> Not for me, maybe her. I don't know you. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 16, from whom, speaking of Christ, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which, this is very wordy, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. That is, that's a mouthful right there, folks. From Christ, the whole body's fit together, Every joint supplying what is needed. And they're, they're working in the measure of every part. What? They have their work of the ministry going on. They make increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. There's the edification or the building up, if you will, of the body. And so if we would understand Ephesians 4.12, misunderstand it. Amen. The old paradigm used to be this. This is probably the generation that Bishop lives in. The old paradigm was this. The pastor is supposed to do everything. That's the old paradigm. He is to prepare to preach and teach. And let me just put a side note out there. Preparing to teach and preach is just not like God has just endowed us with all of this celestial knowledge and we can just walk up here anytime we choose and just utter a 45-minute word of God because that is a large misconception I deal with continuously. It's just like you just pull it out of your pocket. It don't work that way. I know a lot of God's word. I know how it fits together. But if you want a prepared preacher, then you're going to have to allow him to prepare. You, you should visit the sick. You should follow up on the guests. You should teach the home Bible studies. Speaking of the pastor, he should mow the lawn. He should make the bulletins. Went back in that day. He should go door to door for outreach. He should pick up people for church in the church van. He should organize the potlucks and make the sign-up sheets for him. He should make the outings. He should clean the church. He should manage all the finances. That's the old paradigm. The pastor was supposed to be lawyer and, 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 and uh, uh, have his MBA and uh, uh, all these different things. You know what they found out? He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it effectively. And you know what happened? He had a bunch of people that around that maybe had giftings. Maybe they had the MBA. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they had whatever, you know, it, it, the, the things could be various. But nevertheless, if we can take that and distribute that, and we're not one person going forward, but we are a body of people going forward. If while one is, is picking up people on the church van, somebody else can be preparing for super church in the back. If somebody can call someone who's missed for church and somebody else can be on the phone calling those who were first-time guests. Someone say amen. I read this a comparison years ago. It makes so much sense to me. Uh, but the comparison was this. Having that type of old-time mentality of that type of paradigm would be like this. It'd be expecting our hearts, the organ in our body, our hearts. It'd be like expecting our hearts to serve as our respiratory, digestive, and nervous systems, in addition to its role of our circulatory system. Do it all, heart. 
huh? Do it all. But I think Moody hit the proverbial nail on the head when he said, it's better to put 10 men to work than to do the work of 10 men. Amen. And so the five rows in Ephesians is for the perfecting of the saints. Amen. And the word, of course, is enjoined in that because they all handle, amen, the perfecting of the saints. You know what it looks like? It's like this. Last night, of course, I was getting together. I put out a thing. It was going to take a group of people to go over to South Gibson. I came over here by the church to uh, drop some things off for my wife for Super Church. Uh, we had set up in the back on Friday. And whenever I came over here, Chris Sutton was outside mowing the lawn. And I was bringing something over for Super Church, and he was mowing the lawn. Isn't that amazing? You can come in here on any Sunday morning. I was coming in this morning, and I seen Sister Sheila. She's going to the back. She's making copies. Now, look, if I had done all of that, you understand what I'm saying? If I had to come in, turn on the lights, play the music, and you can't play drums and that, well, if you put it on the piano, I guess you could, you know, be a one-man band. But what I'm saying is there's a whole lot more that gets done, and it's done a whole lot better when there's more people that's doing it all. Amen. You know, you know the reason why? If you need brain surgery, you're not going to get it from your general practitioner. You know why? Sure, he dabbles in a little bit of everything of the human body for you to come to visit him if you have something wrong. But if you got a brain tumor, you're going to go see somebody that specializes in the brain in order to have that surgery. What are you saying? We need to create specialists around here. We need to create specialists around here. What about the van? Find somebody who knows how to drive it, know how to clean it, know how to make sure it go get inspected. A specialist. Find somebody who knows how to do outreach, how to knock on doors, get flyers made, can enter, enter, if you will, uh, have a network of people, of specialists. I don't want to be a general practitioner. I want, to be, I want to try to get like those in Act 6 that gave themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. I say glory. Because you can become more adequate and sufficient about something if you will specialize in a thing. Amen. Years ago when my dad mechanic, they, they, he had a CB handle and they called him the transmission doctor. You know why his specialty in the, in the area of mechanics was being able to rebuild transmissions. And so if they, someone walked in needing that type of work, you know who they're going to talk to? They're going to talk to Paul McGee. Why? Because that was his specialty. You don't want somebody that normally just does exhaust to tear down your transmission, put it back together, and then give you a bucket of spare parts. You understand what I'm getting at? <laughs> well, glory, it's fun anyway. So the idea, the idea of this, this perfecting of the saints, this, this, this work of the ministry, this equipping. Equipping is a word that means to make something or someone completely adequate or sufficient for something. In other words, it's mean putting something in a condition that it ought to be. It comes, that word for perfecting or equip, it was a word that was used in the idea of, of, of Bible times of mending nets or more appropriately even for our times if you want to think about it it was used for setting bones 
Because in both instances of mending nets and setting bones, things are put in order or adjustments are made that are out of adjustment so that they can gain use of them. They mended the net or they equipped the net so it can be used. They, they perfected or equipped the, the bone that needed to be set so it could be used. The equipping gives birth to utility. Amen. Gives birth to utility or being able to be used. They had to get all the, the algae and the debris out of, out of the nets, you know, before they could mend the hoe. And that bone's just put in perfect alignment, you know, wherever the break is. And it's bound up just carefully or, or cast or whatever so it can heal. Why? So it could function like it should function. Right? And you know, you know you've been mishandled whenever, you know, you, you break your forearm and now you got two elbows. <laughs> you old tough crowd. The Greek authority, J.H. Thayer, says it like this. It means to make one what he ought to be. And again, this requires the word of God. Yes, we grow thereby by the word of God at different stages. Yes. But what we do as we grow, hopefully, is that we become qualified then for different works of ministry. Right now, as it stands, we have two levels here in the near future, and there's going to be a meeting. We're going to break that into three levels of works of ministry for so people can find places to plant themselves and grow and function as a body of Christ. Amen. And so the different stages of growth that the word and the ministry helps with is to equip you for growth to serve at some level of ministry. And let me tell you, we have places around here that anybody can serve in. Mm -hmm. we, have other, we have other qualifications, amen, that you may desire to know of, amen, would aspire to meet in order to work into a different capacity. And we are willing to equip you to get there, amen. But we want you in the right place, amen. Souls, though, souls, look at it now. You've got to be ready for the work of God. Souls must be ready for the work of God, must be ready for ministry. Souls are ready for the work of God once they have been trained by the word of God. They're prepared for the work by the word. There is practical training, absolutely, concerning work, practical training. There really is. A good practical training for mowing the lawn, if you're going to mow around the landscaping, don't blow the cut grass into the landscaping. Now, that's practical, all right? There's practical training for, you know, mowing the lawn or whatever else we have around here. And I understand a person, they oftentimes say a person is only good as their tools. You know, you have somebody go out here and put, we have a metal roof, but we had a shingled roof, so they go up there. I want you, you know, we got some shingles that blew off for a storm. I want you to repair that. And we send them up there with some roofing nails and a crescent wrench. Now, they could probably get the job done, Brother Trout, but it would be done a whole lot more efficiently if they put a hammer in their hand. Right? And so I understand a person is only as good as their tools. Amen. And so we want to make sure the people have the proper tools. And sometimes communication is absolutely essential to all that. you got to ask questions. Amen. Please understand, if you don't know how to do something, 
If you're serving in a capacity you don't know how to do something, just ask a question. Because we're better off you asking a question than you attempting to do something you're not aware about. It's like when we used to show up for places, people try to help me set up our trailer, our travel trailer. They're, they're trying to put, I've told you this before, they have water hoses and they're trying to pull out where my battery is to put, hook up a water hose. Well, that might work. But if you get them crossed on the terminals, it might also give you a little exciting thrill. I'm saying there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Amen. But just as much as there's practical information, there is spiritual training as well. James 1.23 says, For if any man, if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, we, 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 we deduce then meaning a doer of the word, he is likened to man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Did you catch the transfer there? Not just a hearer of the word, but also a doer of the word. You become a doer of the work. Huh? We went from hearing the word to doing the work. From practicing the word to doing the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Because hearing the word... And then practicing the principles of that word in your life prepares you to be a doer of the work of ministry. Now, we have different levels. We have entry level, second level, third level, platform level right here. Amen. In order to get on platform level of the work, you got to be a doer of the word on a platform level. So I want to say amen. <laughs> if I do it all right. So the saints got to be equipped It's for edifying. It's for the building up of the church. They got to be they got to be trained, if you will, to plant and to harvest, to plant and to harvest. You know, it's amazing. You don't have to you don't have to. It don't seem like you really. I mean, I know in certain instances you're going to take down a skyscraper and you're going to use explosives. They got to know where to put that stuff. But I could take a group of guys out today that's never destroyed a house and we could probably go out to a certain degree if they're not totally stupid and like do everything that's holding up the roof. But I'm saying they could start pulling off drywall without much instruction. It's, if you just want to pull down and destroy, it's amazing that that's almost an inherent thing. I've never had to teach anybody how to gossip, never had to teach anybody how to backstab, never had to teach anybody how to complain, Never had to teach anybody about having a bad attitude. Never had to teach. I've done a whole lot of teaching about how we're to be kind and how we're to be aware of our words and how we are to. I hope the Lord's opened my eyes so I can see that I am not alone and there's a host of angels with me. He said, you, you got to train them how to plant and harvest. you got to train them how to be constructive. You know what I found? A lot of times when people know how to pull down and destroy, what the, the real problem is with those type of individuals that maybe even reside within the church, you know what the problem is? They have too much time on their hands. Too much time to what? To think. 
to think. To think, to talk, and to observe how everybody else is functioning in their row that they're not even, now they're not even functioning in a row, right? They're not even functioning in a row. But they are, if you will, the mainline critic on how everybody else does their row. But they don't do nothing. Don't do anything. But they could tell you how to do your job. Or they could tell you what would make this better. You know my underlying plea whenever I hear that type of stuff? Then why don't you do it? That's going to make it better, and you got the idea to do it? More power to you, bucko. Get after it. No, they're not willing to get after it, but they're willing to be number one critic about everybody that's trying to get after it. And when we have too much time on our hands, we have too much time to think, too much time to observe, too much time to criticize. Back to Bishop Wilson. Get your hands on something. Because whenever you're doing something, you're going to have too much time thinking about how what you need to do rather than worrying about how they are doing or not doing. And you can think up 10,000 things about how you can do your job that you have. And let me tell you what the wondrous thing is. Whenever you're in the position, then you have that. You're going to have a harder time finding the ideas. Need to get involved in the body. Need to get involved in some type of ministry. Don't need, to, don't need to contribute to the negative voice. There's enough negative voices going around. We don't need someone a part of the church to be the negative voice. Now here's a no-brainer, but I'll share it with you. You cannot equip people who don't want to be equipped. <laughs> I know. I know you probably need to hear that from somebody that had a Harvard education, but I'm just, you know, submitting it today. For consideration, you cannot equip someone that don't want to be equipped. The whole process in Ephesians 4 is based upon the first verse in the book of Ephesians. To the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful. In Christ Jesus. In reality, that second phrase brings clarification. Not everything's called a saint is faithful. He said to the saints at Ephesus, but then he followed up, and to the faithful. To the faithful that are in Christ Jesus. Because there are saints, again, God help me today, Lord help me. There are saints, again, that are just there for the show. What they call the show. They're there for the performance. They are there. uh, If we had a time clock, they would clock in and they would clock out. They are there to meet their qualification, their time. Church sometimes has become nothing but a social endeavor. It is a club. It is a place that you go and are counted present for. Amen. But it's got to go beyond that. We need to be a saint that is faithful. We're faithful to church. We're faithful to being a soul winner. We're faithful in our tithing and offering. We're faithful in spirit. We're faithful in worship. We're faithful in praise we're faithful 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 and one of these days the bible says we will stand before him and he'll say enter on into the joy of the lord my good and my faithful servant faithful god help us 
Why is that so important, Brother McGee? Because if you get someone that ministry has perfected or equipped a saint and they not be a faithful saint, they will do a work of a ministry and it will hit and miss because they're not a faithful saint. It's like having an employee that doesn't show up for work. Or for that matter, does something half-hearted. This is the work of the Lord. If there is anything you need to be given everything to, it's the work of the Lord. Because this isn't a matter about getting whatever it is. This isn't a matter about just getting electricity right in the house. This isn't a matter of just about making sure that the tire is balanced on the car. This is a matter of souls. This is a matter about life after life for people. And so we need to do this right. We need to do this pure. We need to make sure, honey, if I'm going to teach a class, I'm going to pour myself into that and I'm going to do it right. If I'm going to preach the word, I'm going to pour myself into that and I'm going to do it right. If I'm going to sweep the carpet, I'm going to make sure it is clear amen of anything if I'm going to whatever it's going to do you're going to do it right brother Fred you by no way I know you I think enough and if I'm wrong tell me at church not right now but I think I know you enough that you would not hire anybody to come alongside you to paint vehicles if in the process of doing so you started to see that their methodology of painting was leaving things flawed bubbles if you will uh, you go have a conversation, or you would start saying, well, just let me paint, right? Huh? Because he's got a reputation with his business, which so happens to be associated with his name. We're in a business, too, in some regards, and it's not about my name. It's about his. It's... It's about his. Hallelujah. It's, we got to be. Man, I'm going long today. I'm so sorry. It's important. So we're equipping people. We need to be the equippers. We got not to get into the concept. I just spoke to someone the other day about how we get in this mode. And it's typical. It happens. Happens to every church, any church, every church. But you got to purposefully not get in that mode of it's just us mentality. Well, the trouts are always there. They're always there, and you're just like a big family. It's just us. It's just us. It's just us. Because the it's just us mentality. We'll look at trash on the pew and say, well, it's just us. Somebody that sits there will pick it up. It's just us mentality. Well, there's few, whatever. There's a myriad of things. When you get into the it's just us mentality, we get so comfortable that we'll allow some things to slip through the fingers because it's like, well, they'll understand because it's just us. But it's that same mentality that can totally undercut a church that we come in here and we act like a bunch of slobs and I'm not just talking about in, in the way things look, but in preparation, in faithfulness to preparation, how much effort we put into things because it's just us. We, you know, it's just us. It's just we, we're always together. Listen, you know, if it's just me and my kids and family, I might go put on a T-shirt and some lounge pants at night. 
because it's just us. But if there is company there, you ain't catching me in that. Why? Because it's not just us. It's the it's just us thing that causes Ohio, the sons of where the ark of God was taken and left for 20 years, that after 20 years they was ready to drive the cart because they got comfortable with the ark's just always been around here for 20 years. And Uzzah to even touch it. Why? Because he got comfortable with it. All right, stand with me. I'll shut up. Come on. Because this is ending today. So the objective is really to delegate, to empower people around a common mission, to love as God loves. Our mission statement. Around a common vision, a common strategy. For the purpose of what? Releasing them into ministry, to serving people. Serving people. Equipping them to lead in ministries. Releasing them for ministry. And that's liberating for everybody. That's liberating for the church. That's liberating for everyone. And reality, according to the word of the Lord, from what I can read, that is the way that the church is designed to run. Years ago, the old movie was filled with dreams and Everybody kind of used the phrase out of that all the time. They said, if you build it, they will come. That was a popular phrase. from If you build it, they will come. Yet to tweak it in order to match the church world, it's really this. If you will build them, if you will build them, it will come. So you know what we do? If you need help on this, we'll try to help. But you need to find, you need to find what, you need to be like Moses, and you need to find your burning bush. That call of Moses, Moses, you need to find your burning bush. And when you find it, you know what we need to do? Grab the biggest can of gasoline and just pour all over it. <laughs> and say, burn, baby, burn. Burn, baby, burn. Look what Paul told Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, and I'm closing with a mason if you income. Whichever one. Now the things that thou hast heard of me, Paul tells Timothy, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. In other words, Timothy, who's the pastor of the church at Ephesus for a time, he said, Timothy, equip, perfect faithful men, saints, who will then be able to do works of ministry or serving and that then will circle around and help build up edify the church we cannot be delinquent in this last part of our mission statement we cannot get caught up and we need this listen there is just even attention given to all this we just can't love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and end. We must equip. You know what? None of us really want to embrace this, but you know what? 
Someday, Bishop and Sister Me going to be dead. And the Fred McGee's are going to be dead. And Pastor and his wife are going to be dead. And all these people you see serving in functions and ministries right now are going to be dead. And there's going to be a new generation. If we'll equip that generation today. It's hard to do equipping from your deathbed. scripture Moses having Joshua under his wing taking him to the times when he experienced the presence of God and Joshua staying putting his hand on, on Joshua even for the purpose of, of relaying that, that the responsibility and the spirit that he experienced upon Joshua and so then whenever Moses dies there's able to be a nice transition for Joshua to be the leader of a whole nation of people but what but what was done for Joshua, Joshua did not do for the next generation. Because whenever he died and all of his generation died, the people did not even know the works of the Lord. And there was nobody there. And after this great landscape of Joshua, they're conquering and they're seizing lands and all these great things is the book of Judges. There's no king. There's no leader. There's nobody picking up, if you will, the pieces and going on. Why? Because somebody failed in the equipping stage. The equipping stage. We close our eyes all across this place today. I am your friend this morning. I really am. But if you know how to do something, talk to us and let us get you doing it. Talk to Brother Mason. Let him get you doing it. We love to see you show up. and We love to see you sit on the pew. And we love to see you worship. But just, if I'm putting this term not just buy a share of this thing and invest yourself. Invest yourself. Hallelujah. You guys got a song together. These altars are open. This is us. This is the end of our mission right here. We went through every part. We went through the love. We went through the winning. We went through all of that. We went through, we went through the equipping now. We went through descending. We went through all of this. This morning, let's, let's, let's be the church that we say we are. Motto, this is where heaven and earth connects. It's where heaven and earth connects. As a matter of fact, as many as would, can we just come forward this morning? We just come forward this morning. I'm asking you to come forward. Amen. Today. Let's talk to God. Can we talk to God? We are, we are ramping up to a very notable time of the calendar year, not just for churches, but for the world over Resurrection Sunday. I want to love as God loves. I want to show compassion to every soul. Thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant the harvest. Hallelujah. Can we come this morning? Let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let us be faithful saints. Let us be faithful saints. Hallelujah, brother Masons. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you. 
and have a blessed day.